just joining with us, uh, we have been going through the book of Ephesians. Uh, we started in January, and um, we just now turned the page over to chapter number three, and we've been kind of covering about uh, who are you, what is, what is your identity that the Lord says who you are that's found in Christ, and a lot of people are defined by a lot of different things, but God's word gives us many things of who we are in Christ, and there are so many spiritual blessings that we have that are found in Christ, in Christ alone. And as we just kind of wrapped up uh, chapter number two, we, we saw this amazing description of, of the church and who the church is and um, how the church is the household of faith and how we come together. We are coming together as, as believers. And, and Paul goes through the whole thing of Jew and Gentile being one uh, together in Christ. And now we're moving into chapter number three. And there's an interesting situation that kind of Paul puts forward uh, to these believers that are living here in Ephesus. And a question I would ask you is, how do you face trials and difficulties in your life? How do you personally face trials and difficulties in your life? For some people, a trial and a difficulty is an opportunity to grow deeper in their faith. For some, it is a way that they turn those trials inward and still try to put their best foot forward, always putting on a happy face. For others, uh, sometimes people will withdraw themselves and uh, enter into a, a state of depression. For some, it is what defines them. For others, a trial and a difficulty can be best coped by sometimes even turning to some type of other form of an addiction. Um, I think all of us can identify with one of those many scenarios in our life about how to handle trials and difficulties in our life. Um, but how should we really deal with trials and difficulties that come into our lives, whether it be uh, the loss of a loved one or uh, an unexplained uh, circumstance that happened, maybe a loss of a job or uh, some terrible thing that, is, that has happened in your life? How, how are we supposed to really deal uh, with those trials and difficulties. And as we begin here in chapter number three in, in Ephesus, uh, in Ephesians here, um, we kind of have this moment where the curtain is kind of pulled back a little bit. I mean, here's Paul. He's been, he's been writing to, to, the, to the believers and to us and talking to us about all these wonderful blessings that we have in Christ. And just for a moment, just for a little bit of a glimpse, we see a personal trial and a difficulty in Paul's life. And uh, Paul here is enduring through this trial and what he really does about it to continue moving forward uh, in the Christian life. You know, I will admit that as you begin reading here in chapter number three, these verses seem a little difficult to grasp. I mean, even possibly next week if we get there, um, it talks about the church being a witness and a testimony to the, uh, the spiritual realm, the heavenly places. I mean, that's quite an interesting thought to think about. And some of the, the language that Paul uses here, it's a little bit difficult to grapple with. Um, but 
the weighty subject that he's going on here about and talking about, about the, about the church and how about Jew and Gentile, Paul gives us this little bit of a glimpse about his own personal trial and difficulty that he's facing in life. And uh, he's been going through here talking about Jew and Gentile. And as we went through on chapter number two, uh, talking about the church and the Jew and the Gentile becoming one, it's almost kind of like you start reading here in chapter number three and you're like, okay, okay, I got it. I got it. Jew, Gentile, we're one in the church. Okay, I get it, Paul. Why do you keep going over and over and over and over on this? Because I believe Paul knows if they could grasp this idea of who they are in Christ, of who they are in the church, it would radically change their conduct in life. And in fact, that's kind of what he goes on through in chapters 4, 5, and 6 about our whole conduct in life. And so Paul's kind of laying this foundation of you need to understand who you are in Christ. Because this will change the way that you live. I mean, this is a resurrected life in Christ that we have now. The old man is dead, but we've been resurrected to a new life in Christ. And in light of all of this wonderful things that Paul talks about, he prays. And he begins to pray, but something stops him in his prayer. Um, Look here in uh, chapter number three, verse number one. He starts out for this reason, and then he stops. In fact, he doesn't pick up that prayer until verse number 14 later on when he says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. And so Paul is, wants to pray for these believers, but there's a difficulty and a trial that is in his life and he gives us this little bit of a glimpse of how he handles uh, this difficulty. So what was this difficulty? What was this trial that he begins to pray, but then he stops and he comes back almost in a sense to reality of his surrounding circumstances of what is going on in his life? Let's read it together. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 1. Look what he says. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner... Of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. You see, his mind is focused on wanting to pray, but it gets stopped. And it gets stopped because of his imprisonment that he has in his life. Paul is in prison in Rome, and he tells these Christians that his imprisonment that he has in Rome should not cause them to doubt what God is doing. In fact, he says that later on in verse number 13. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Paul says, I am having this difficulty in this trial in my life. I'm gonna let you see a little portion of this, but I don't want you to lose heart. You see, in this time of reflection, Paul reminds the believers, again, of God's great gift of salvation that he has, of the gospel that was given to him, and the privilege to be able to serve and to suffer for the sake of Jesus Christ. And rather than complaining about his imprisonment, Paul actually 
turns that and turns it in a way where he can actually rejoice in his imprisonment. I don't know about you, but we often get irritated by a lot of different things, do we not? We complain about so many different things when things just aren't right. How many of you ever read the, uh, the story, the, uh, the, the Princess and the Pea, right? All the mattresses stacked up, and yet there's a pea in there. Oh, I can feel it. I can feel it. I know it. I know it. I'm discomforted. And yet Paul here is in prison. Now, the prison that Paul was in was not like the prisons that we have today where they have HBO and uh, pool tables and snack time. And No, this was serious prison time. Paul more than likely is in prison now for probably about five years. In fact, we read later on that he will die in prison uh, he tells Timothy, he says, my departure is, is ready. It's now at hand. I'm ready to be offered as a sacrifice. Paul would be beheaded. And so the conditions was not getting better for Paul. And in fact, they were probably getting worse. And as he's in prison, he writes, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. So how does he turn this, this bleak condition of being in prison into a, an opportunity where he can rejoice and he can still move forward for Jesus Christ? Well, it's because he has the right perspective. He has the right perspective in the circumstances that are surrounding him. He has the right perspective of what's going on and how to handle it. And so, first of all, we must have the right perspective when we encounter trials and difficulties in our life. One thing that we all must understand, that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you will suffer persecution. You will endure difficulties and trials in your life. That's a fact. There's a teaching that is out there, it's very popular and prevalent, that God promises health and wealth to all of his children, that uh, simply uh, you're going to be blessed of God. That's blasphemy. That is not the teaching of the New Testament. And in fact, I think many times in our life as well, we, we sometimes live in that way as well, where we say, well, you know what, if I, if I do and I, I'm, I'm doing what God wants me to do, then nothing bad is going to happen to me. And if something bad happens to me, then that must have been the fact that I wasn't really doing what I should be doing. Scripture does not teach that. If you are enduring trials and difficulties in your life, that is part of being a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ. Many times we have the assumption is, I don't deserve this kind of treatment. God must not really like me or care about me or what's going on in my life. Here is Paul. He's in prison. Things are not getting better for him but yet he has the right perspective. Paul was suffering unjustly from a human perspective. Why was Paul in prison? Did he do something wrong? Did he commit some horrible, heinous crime? He'd not done anything wrong. Why was he sitting in a cell, chained to a Roman guard? Why was he there? 
Exactly what was he teaching about that caused him to be there? Everything that we covered in chapter number two, that Jew and Gentile would be one in Christ. In fact, you can read about it in the book of Acts as Paul is there in Jerusalem and he's talking to the uh, Jews there. And in fact, he actually brings in a Gentile into uh, the temple there and the Jews get so upset, they start a riot. They throw him into prison. And Paul is in prison because he was preaching exactly what he knew that he should be teaching and preaching. And so these Gentiles were uh, part of this. And, and Paul is saying, I want you to be a part of the family of God. And Paul's saying, look, the Jew and the Gentile are supposed to come together as one. They're supposed to be united together as one. And that was a message that was not popular. They didn't want to hear it. And in fact, they threw him into prison for there. And so now Paul is there in prison. And in fact, as he's there in prison, we learn that later on he will die. And you have to wonder, what was going through Paul's mind at this time? I mean, us looking at the story there, we might think, boy, some God that he's really serving, huh? Some God that would leave him in prison. I mean, this was, this was God's servant. I mean, he was going to go out. He was going to preach, establish churches, and do all these wonderful things. And he's in prison. You can't do much when you're in prison. And Paul is there in prison. And we might think and wonder, what kind of God would allow him to be in prison unjustly, to suffer in prison unjustly, and eventually die in prison unjustly? But in reality, that is not how Paul looked at it all. And he could have grown bitter. He could have been upset at the Jews for doing what they did, starting the riot. He could have been very upset and grown bitter towards God, but he didn't. What was his perspective? How did it change? Well, look what he says here in this verse. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of whom? Christ Jesus. Not I, Paul, a prisoner of Rome. I, Paul, a prisoner unjustly accused. He changed his perspective on the, his trial and his difficulty that he was facing in his life. God makes it very clear that he is ruling authority over every circumstance that happens in our life. Listen to what Exodus 4.11 says. It says, The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Isaiah 45.7 says, God says, I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. In Amos chapter 3, verse number 6, it says, When a trumpet sounds in a city, do not the people tremble? When disaster comes to a city, has not the Lord caused it? So what is the secret, Paul? What is the secret to living a life with trials and difficulties in our life? How can we know who we are in the midst of trials? We must focus on Jesus Christ. He must be the primary perspective during the midst of our trial and our difficulty in life. 
Because if we start focusing on what is happening in my current situation, we take our eyes off Jesus, and just like how Peter was when he was walking on the water, he began to look at the other surrounding conditions. The waves began boiling up and all this chaos going on. And what did he do? He began to sink. And so we must keep our eyes on Jesus. Focus on Jesus Christ, your Lord, in the midst of a trial and a difficulty in your life. Let's look at a second thing here about how Paul kept his uh, right perspective. And even in the midst of a difficulty and trial, he, he maintained having the right attitude during that. As we read here in this chapter, Paul is trying to help the Ephesian Christians understand who they are in Christ. And he's trying to help them understand God's purpose in everything that's happening. Even in Paul's imprisonment, because remember what he said. He's like, I don't want you to lose hope of my current situation that's going on. As Paul here is in prison... One theme that we continue to see run through his writings and even in his letter is the thankfulness he had for the gospel. Remember Paul's story before? I mean, we should all have, a, for those of us that know Christ, we should have a story before, okay? A story before we knew Christ. What was Paul's story before? He was a blasphemer. He was a hater of God. I mean, he, he went out after other Christians to destroy them. This was Paul's story before. What changed? The gospel. The gospel brought change in Paul's life. It transformed him into a new creation. And so Paul here, he speaks about this abundant grace that was given him, even as he talked about as he was the chief among sinners in 1 Timothy. And so in the midst of a trial and difficulty in your life, what should you do? You should maintain the right perspective. Be focusing on Jesus Christ. But secondly, you should remember God's grace. Listen to what Paul has to say about this here in verse number two. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Paul says, here's my situation. I'm a prisoner and I'm sure you have heard of the grace of God, the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. And Paul's focusing on God's abundant grace. Remember how he wrote about that in Ephesians chapter number one, about the lavish in grace that this grace has just been piled up high upon us? Paul says, I am going to focus on the grace of God. The fact that this is how I used to be, but God has changed me and he's delivered me. He's resurrected me to new life in him. And I'm going to focus in on the grace of God. Look what he says again in verses 7 through 8. He says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. You see, Paul could just not get over God's grace in his life. And guess what? Neither should we. 
during the midst of a trial and a difficulty in our life, the grace of God is abundant for you and for me. If it was so abundant in us in rescuing us from our sin, from the pit of corruption, from the miry clay, lifting us up out of that, then how is it the grace of God is not able and it's not enough for us now in the midst of our trial and difficulty? Paul focused in on the grace of God. He remembered God's grace. You see, God's grace is so amazing because when we come to the realization that we are lost and hopeless, bound in sin and condemned, guilty in hell, and God offers us grace through his son, Jesus Christ, when he offers that to us, we turn to Christ with a heart that says, I want Jesus. I want to be rescued. I don't want to live in my sin anymore. And that grace is so amazing, even as, as the hymn writer wrote, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And Paul focused in on the grace of God. And when we realize that Christ is offering us unmerited grace, things that we don't work for, things that we can't, we can't earn God's favor for, it's unmerited grace when we realize that. Grace becomes an amazing part of our salvation. And Paul says, I'm going to remember the grace of God even in the midst of my trial and difficulty in life. Look at some other things here about God's grace. Look what he says here. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly, verse number three, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now has been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Paul continued to reflect about the grace of God and the point is that the amazing revelation of God's grace through his son Jesus is not just something that Paul arrived to logically. It's not, it's not something that he figured out on his own. There was a revelation of who God was and what God was doing. And he talks about this mystery and how God revealed this mystery through his son, Jesus Christ, that Jew and Gentile will be reconciled into one. How many of you like math? Okay, you can leave. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> math is one of those things that I struggled with when I was in school because you had to learn all these different formulas and not every, for some reason, I didn't get this, that Every formula is different for every problem. What's up with that? And really, does it really matter if X squared plus Z squared equals I don't care squared? <laughs> Math is something that if you work at it hard enough and you study and you, you spend time and you're, you're looking into it, memorizing the stuff, you're like, oh yeah, I get it. 
I have a good friend of mine that is going to be coming to visit uh, next weekend. And he actually teaches math at a, at a college level. And he tells me about all this stuff. And I'm just like, sorry, you just completely lost me there. I don't get it. You see, God's grace is not like math. We don't comprehend God's grace by working at it or memorizing formulas and eventually coming to the point where we're like, oh yeah, I get that. You see, God's grace is so amazing, you cannot plummet the depths of it. And so Paul says, I am going to continue to remind myself about God's grace. And the Spirit must open our eyes to the reality of God's grace. It's sometimes amazing that when people are going through a hard time, a difficulty or a trial in their life, that they turn to everything else except God's grace. Because sometimes the answers are, that doesn't work. I've tried that before. It doesn't work. You need a revelation of God's grace in your life. You need to see Jesus high, holy, exalted, lifted up, and his abundant grace that is available for you in the most difficult time and trial in your life. God's grace is sufficient. And so when we grasp onto Jesus and the mystery of the cross, salvation and grace is revealed to us. It opens up to us a whole new way of living. That's exactly what Paul's been talking about in Ephesians chapter 2. A resurrected life in Jesus. Not, I'm going to try to live my life the way that I used to live it and try to get through this trial and difficulty. A resurrected life in Jesus. That's what we need. That's how we are supposed to live and so we're supposed to remember God's grace. This mystery that Paul talks about was something that only was revealed by the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't by human reasoning. What was that mystery? That Jew and Gentile would be one in Christ. And again, Paul goes over and over and over and over again. He says, if you would just get this, it would radically change the way that you live. One other thing that Paul reflects on about God's grace is, look here at verse number seven. He says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. The working of his power. What transformed Paul? The working of God's grace, the power of God's working grace in his life. You see, when we read about Paul and how he hated Christians and he sought them out like prey, I mean, he hunted them like dogs. If I could find any, if I were to find any of this way, he said, how is it that he turned to the Lord? We read about the, uh, the believers there in uh, Thessalonia that how they turned from idols to serve the living God. How did that happen? 
by the amazing working of God's powerful grace in their life. You see, God's mighty power had transformed him. I'm sure the Ephesian believers were also eyewitnesses of God's mighty power of grace because we know just from history that there was a temple there and they served and worshipped the goddess Diana. And maybe some of those believers that once worshipped in the temple now were worshipping the only true God. There was a gift, a mighty working of God's power in their life. And so what we need is we need God's grace as well. And it is what will transform us. It saves us from our self-righteousness, our pride, our hypocrisy, our lust, our greed, our sexual immorality, and other sins as well. The grace of God is what transforms us. Many people try all kinds of sort of different things, but they do not care to rely upon the transforming work of the grace of God in their life. So we can be grateful even in our trials because just like Paul, he remembered God's gift of salvation that was given to him through his grace. Here's the last thing that Paul chose to focus in on. Serve Christ. Look what he says here. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, in verse 7, which was given me by the working of his power. Being an apostle was not Paul's career choice. Did you ever think about that? It's not like when he was growing up, someone said, well, what do you want to be? Well, I'm going to be an apostle. That was not his career choice. Who gave him that career? It was the Lord Jesus. In Acts uh, chapter uh, 22, verse number 10, we read about Paul's conversion, that, that the Lord told Paul what to do. He was made a minister. He didn't choose it. Christ made him a minister. Now, minister is, is one of those interesting words um, that sometimes we hear a lot. I'm, I'm a member of the Middlebury Ministerial Association Club, whatever you want to call that. Um, but does that word necessarily refer to clergy or pastors? The word minister means servant, literally one who waited tables. And as such a servant obeyed his master, he was not free to do his own thing, but he did what his master commanded. The truth of it is, is that all of us that know Christ, we are ministers. We are servants. And we are to be serving our master, Jesus Christ. In Paul's case, listen to what Jesus, his master, told Paul what he must do. Let's turn over to the book of Acts here really quickly the book of acts chapter number nine and it's interesting to pick this up because paul was made a minister and exactly what was paul supposed to do acts chapter nine in verse number six listen to what jesus tells paul to do but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. 
So Paul goes, remember he's, he's blinded. Uh, we find there uh, the disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord tells him to uh, uh, go and find this man Paul. And you're supposed to help him. And we find here in verse number uh, 15 and 16 what Paul is going to do. He says, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him, who, Paul, how much he must, what? Suffer. For the sake of my name. In your trial, serve Christ. In your difficulty, serve Christ. Why should I do this? Because look what Paul says here. I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. He was a steward of God's grace. All of us are going to suffer. All of us are gonna have trials and difficulties in our life. We must have the right perspective. We focus on Jesus. We must remember God's grace and we must serve Christ. Let's pray together. 